Hey, what's good, my amazing friends? This is Sarah Amazing Grace, and I am the host of The Remedy. Hey, you guys, welcome to The Remedy. Welcome to this week. (sighs) Happy Valentine's Day, my friends. I always end my show telling you that I love you because this world, we don't have enough love spread around. And I just want you guys to know that you are loved. And you know what? 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. That is amazing. (laughs) That's the amazing grace that we share on this show. Anyway, we just want to thank the Lord so much for showing us and being an example of love. And love, love, love. Yay. Oh, love. (laughs) I just want to come in here and I want to recognize for you, if you are not in a relationship right now, or if you're coming out of a bad relationship right now, Valentine's Day, you know, it can be kind of a trigger for a lot of people. It can be painful for people. It can be something that doesn't drum up fuzzy feelings. And um, I I just want to recognize that. And if that's you out there listening to the sound of my voice, know that you are loved. You are absolutely loved by the creator who created you 100%. You are covered in love and your life, the what you feel, all of that may not look like love. But let me reassure you that he loves you. And it's true. So this show today, you guys, a lot of people say, Oh, you know, a lot of people sent me messages and asked me, you know, to show you this product. Nobody sent the messages. (laughs) I am telling you that people have sent me messages and said, Sarah, you're married, you've mentioned about your marriage. Can you talk about marriage? And hey, I figured what better day than Valentine's Day? to talk about marriage. And not only am I going to talk about marriage and my marriage, I'm actually going to bring a special guest onto the show today. So everybody, I want to hear you cheer. Ah, Here is Eric, my husband. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Yes. Welcome, Eric. Yeah, I'm I'm blessed. I, I'm stoked. Uh, you know, I'm so excited to be here because I get to listen to your podcast all the time. And I'm always uh, waiting to see what's coming up next. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of kind of excited and, and, and anticipation to hear what what we're going to come out of our own mouths. Yeah, me too. So we totally didn't script this today. Um, it's totally coming off the cuff. So uh, I don't know if it's actually going to be good. <laughs> Because usually things are kind of like formatted. But uh, today, Eric and I just kind of like, you know what, let's just have a conversation. And so that's what we're in here. We've got coffee sitting here. And, uh, you know, we've got a few questions. Some people did write in and ask us some questions. So that'll kind of help keep us on track. Eric, do you have anything that you want to start us off by saying? Um, Yeah, actually, I do. Um, So this is supposed to be a marriage. podcast. It's all about our marriage and probably helping other people's marriages or even people that are going to be married. Um, but it's been really interesting because just uh, we we actually recorded this. People don't know this, but we've actually recorded this. <laughs> this is probably our, what, second or third time of trying? Yeah, attempt. Yeah, attempt. I mean, we actually did this podcast, uh, you know, like an hour-ish or 45 minutes all yesterday. It was awesome. It was great. Sarah was really cool. I hope <laughs> she brings that again. <laughs> and uh I don't think we actually had the memory card in there. Yeah. So we actually like recorded this podcast and I did. We looked at the questions. So right now the questions won't be new, but what's coming out of our mouth is still new. 
Um, but anyway, we recorded this whole podcast and man, it was fire. The podcast was fire, you guys. Um, but then I went to go, you know, take the memory card out and get to ready to upload it. And we didn't put the memory card in. So there was nothing was recorded. It was just for us. And then and then get this. We totally started fighting. We started arguing all afternoon, all evening. Um, uh, it was just like, and, and even this morning waking up, we were just kind of still not, we weren't holding grudges because we don't really hold grudges, but we were just kind of grumpy and hangry. And, and it was just like, what the heck, man, we recorded this podcast glorifying the Lord for what he's done in our lives and what we've seen him do in other people's lives. And knowing that this show is called the remedy, right? And the remedy for our marriage, which was totally broken, our worldly marriage, which was totally broken, the remedy was the word of God. And so we're here putting that information out. And man, we got hammered last night. Not only was the show not recorded, but then we like, I mean, you know, just real talk. We're real people. You know, we're not the Flanders over here, Oakley Doakley. We're real people. And man, we got blasted by an enemy attack something fierce. Yeah, but you should be, we should be actually be praising the Lord for that because you know, when the enemy is like totally like getting into your business, the the enemy is not going to be getting into our business when we're like doing the bad things. But when we're over the target, so to speak with, for the Lord's work, the enemy is going to be totally taking us out. True. And so we should be thanking the Lord. Oh, all right, here it is. Let's be used. Let's be tools for Jesus. That's right. You're a tool. I'm a tool. (laughs) (laughs) A tool for Jesus. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Y'all know me, but I introduce you to my husband, Eric. Eric and I have been married for creeping up on 20 years. 20? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dude, we totally had planned to maybe uh, go to Bora Bora or, you know, French Polynesia for our 20th wedding anniversary. But that was a plan. That was the plan. That was our dream, right? You guys, we've, we've talked about this for like a decade in our lives. Like, okay, where are we going for the big two zero? And the two zeros coming up, we're about, you know, six months away or something like that. But anyway. But you know what they say about best laid plans, right? <laughs> exactly. That means that they're going to get crushed. Anyway. <laughs> 2020 and 2019 sure yeah, showed that. 2020. Boy, everything has changed. And, you know, I ain't going somewhere that I, you know, I'm going to be on the beach and have to wear a mask or. The you beach know, any, is closed. Yeah, the beach is closed. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> anyway. But we'll see, you know, the Bible says that man, uh, you know, lays the plans, but it's God who directs their steps. And, you know, hey, man, there's maybe there's somewhere better <laughs> that the Lord's going to send us. Hint, for it's Texas. Yeah. Hey, what's up? The Lord sent us to Texas, by the way. And, you know, we weren't born here, but we got here as fast as we could. You know what I mean? Te- Amen. Yeah. Texas is the bomb. Anyway. So, um, yeah, so we've been married creeping up to 20 years. We've been together for 21 years. And in those 21 years so far, we have lived a lot of life in those 21 years. Um, A lot of people have come to us, and it's true, have said to us, uh, oh, yeah, but you guys are just newlyweds. And (laughs) really, most of those people know us um, in this, I should say, second or middle next 10 years portion of our marriage, the first eight years of our marriage were really rough. They were really, really rough. Um, because one of us was not surrendered to the Lord. And at the beginning, <laughs> I'm not going to mention it, but it wasn't me. No. It was me. <laughs> uh, 
But when we um, when we got together, I, you guys, I was really angry with God, really angry. And I was in a rebellious place. I was saved, 100% saved. I had surrendered my life to the Lord. And then I went through a total life deconstruction. I was completely wounded by um, the church that my dad was the pastor of. Big stuff went down. I'm not going to go into detail, but I was totally wounded by man. Um, people in the church, people who represented God to me. And, um, and while I, I love God and I, I was knowing without a doubt that Yahweh is God, I was mad. I was totally mad. And so, uh, instead of doing it God's way, I did it my way. And, um, you know, there's that Frank Sinatra song, you know, I did it my way. And that's such a bummer, dude, because when you do it your way, man, sometimes you get it right. But the majority of the time, that ain't the case. And so anyway, I started dating Eric and Eric, well, wasn't. I was not saved. No, he wasn't. He was not a believer at all. And then when we got married, um, some stuff happened in our marriage. And it was like, you know, when you're living life through two totally separate uh, eyes, two totally separate moral compasses, um, you know, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked and not just in marriage, but in, in, in anything, even in friendship, but uh, being married, oh my gosh, it's so, it's, it was crazy. It was crazy because the things that Eric was living in the lifestyle that he wanted to live, which a lot of people do live, was not the way that I wanted to live at all. And they were just, I mean, they were abrasive to each other. Yeah, you can't serve two masters. I mean, you were serving the Lord, the, the Almighty, and I was serving myself. And when you do that, you're not on the same page. <laughs> no, you're not even in the same book. <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe you are, because there's a lot of people who got blasted <laughs> who weren't following the Lord. But anyway, um, you know, and I blew it. I married somebody who was not saved. That was my choice. And, um, you know... Shortly after we got married, I, you know, radically surrendered my life to the Lord again. Surrendering surrendering your life to the Lord is, you know, a lifelong venture. And um, life comes at you and you don't always get everything right. And so anyway, Eric and I got married. I surrendered my life to the Lord and I knew that I just wanted to run my race, you know, in this life to please God. And it was really hard because, man, now I had this ball and chain. And, and, you know, in a sense, not that I didn't love Eric, I did, absolutely. But, um, you know, when my focus is is for the things of God and his focus is for the things of this world, it was rough. And so anyway, um, the uh, about, uh, let's see here, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, our marriage basically ended. Um, You know, Eric fell into some stuff that really um, broke our vows. And so... um, we we came to a crossroads and and I, you know i i had been praying and praying and begging god please redeem my um i'm going to cry please redeem my mistake and um save eric sorry you guys um because it was so heavy i mean i would go through all of the pain that we had in that 8 years if it meant that eric's life would be redeemed Um, But I know a lot of marriages where, you know, their spouse hasn't given their life to the Lord yet. And if that's you and you're listening to this, keep praying. There is power in a praying spouse. 
The Bible talks about that the righteous believer can actually um, cover their family. And so, you know, please, if you are praying for your spouse, keep praying. Don't get discouraged. I mean, really, the ultimate goal in life isn't so that you have a good marriage. The ultimate goal is so that person is not cast out into, you know, eternally. And so anyway, um, God brought us to a place of total destruction. I mean, I had even consulted divorce attorneys. We were done. And the Holy Spirit came upon Eric. The Lord was so merciful to me and um, came upon Eric and completely... Go ahead, Eric, you tell. Yeah, we were completely redeemed. I mean, I was in a place where... You know, I was I was a not equally yoked. I was doing things unbecoming to a marriage. That's saying though, saying it nicely. Uh, you had every reason to uh, leave the person that was once called Eric Schwartz. Uh, once I submitted to and not submitted, but given my life to the Lord, um, and I was <laughs> uh, I was uh, washed away all my sins. Um, I was a new man, a new creation, a new, it was a new, it was a new marriage. Yeah. It was a totally different marriage. Uh, do I say we still have a perfect marriage? No, not by any means. But man, we're on the same page now. Right. We're plowing that same, the same uh, portion of the field with the equal yoke. I'm not going off somewhere while you're dragging me somewhere. Uh, we're running the same race. Running the same race. Team Schwartz. Team Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We are running the same race. And, uh, oh my gosh, I used to pray at church. I I would, I would drag Eric to church twice a year. He would give in and he would come to church on Christmas and Easter. You know, you know, those type of people that, all right, fine. I ticked the box. I went to church, you know, now get off my back kind of deal. And I remember one time I had, you know, dragged Eric to church. And, and, and again, if you're married or with an unbeliever, and you dragged them to church, I know in your heart, you're praying, oh, gosh, Holy Spirit, get into them today. And I pray that they're going to raise their hand. This is the breakthrough I've been waiting for. Oh, my gosh. And then when they don't raise their hand, man, are you so disappointed inside? I know I was. I would be like, oh, Lord, you missed your chance. He's here. You know, not like the Lord is like, oh, dope. You know, I can only do it here in church, you know, or whatever. But anyway, (laughs) so anyway, um. I remember we're at church and then uh, they were passing around the elements of communion. And, you know, and I'm just praying and hoping that Eric's heart would have been softened. And here comes the elements of communion. And I kind of look at him, you know, a little bit hopefully. And he leans over to me and he goes, (laughs) when are they going to start passing out the purple shrouds and the Nikes? Oh, my gosh. This is talk about drinking the (laughs) Kool-Aid. I was just like, oh, my God. Gosh, he's speaking about communion, and he is so, I mean, talk about sacrilegious. <laughs> it was just like a dagger in my heart, in my spiritual heart, like, oh my gosh, this guy's hopeless. And um, anyway, when the Lord got a hold of Eric, when Eric finally surrendered, it wasn't just a, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I believe, no big deal. And yeah, okay, I'll say the sinner's prayer, but I'm going to continue with my life. No, when Eric got saved, it was radical. It was a radical, Holy Spirit, total deconstruction of who Eric once was. And the the Holy Spirit came into Eric, and I can't even explain to you guys, but if you're saved, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, 
you'll know. You'll know that you are a new creation in Christ. And we had the we have this friend Adam, and Adam had been wish, witnessing to Eric for like eight years, and um, and so when Eric got saved, Eric called Adam and said, "Hey man, you won't believe it, but I gave my life to Jesus." And Adam's like, "Get out of here! Are you kidding?" And Eric's like, no, man, I, I did. And Adam rushed over to our house and Eric opened the door and, and Adam looked at him and he said, you don't even look like the same person. And it's true. I mean, if you look at pictures of Eric from before and pictures of Eric after and you knew him before and you know him after, he looks like a different person. It's totally awesome. Anyway, I digress. So. Interesting that you say that because it is a total redemption. I, I mean, I, I don't wish my circumstances on anyone. But sometimes the Lord has to bring you through and and crush you. Um, I kind of look at it as the um, you know boot camp, so to speak, you know, tear you down and build you back up. But for me, it was like it was like a mirror. So when you look at a mirror and you stand in front of it and you see the reflection, all your focus is on yourself, right? But the Lord can take that and it can shatter that mirror as it falls down from the on the ground. It shatters into a million pieces. And you can, t- and the Lord can take those shattered pieces, aka the shattered pieces of you, of your selfishness, and put it into a mirror ball, and then be able to shine God's glory or the light everywhere without seeing yourself. And right. all you see is His glory. Wow. So He can take those broken pieces and use it for His glory. Right. He comes in like a wrecking ball and leaves you like a mirror ball. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Dude, actually, that's a totally sick illustration, Eric. That's awesome. Thank you. One thing that is so rad is that, so so my dad and mom, um, my dad's best friend was uh, in the um, the seventies and uh, um, well the seventies and late seventies and even in, to the very early eighties when Keith died. My dad's best friend was Keith Green. Uh, he is a, a Christian gospel singer and evangelist, really. I mean, Keith Green was an evangelist. He wasn't just a singer. And if you listen to his music today, his name is Keith Green. If you haven't listened to any Keith Green music and you are a Christian, or if you're not a Christian and you just want to hear music that is so freaking powerful, Google Keith Green. Um, or actually DuckDuckGo, my friends. But anyway, YouTube, look up Keith Green. There's a song that um, that Eric really got into. And, and as you know, I, I was not Eric's mentor when he surrendered his life to the Lord, you guys. I was not the one who um, was was teaching Eric. In fact, I was really um, hurt and and going through my own healing time during that. And so the Lord was working on me separately and working on Eric. And Eric had been, you know, searching and reading and studying himself. And he comes to me and he says, you know, Sarah, you know, uh, there's a song I want to play for you. And this song is something that was so totally, um, it, it explains everything about how I'm feeling. And um, I don't know if you know, Sarah, who this uh, singer is, but his name is Keith Green. And I was like, uh, dude, Keith Green was like my dad's best friend. Like Keith, Keith and Melody used to come to our house, uh, you know, every year, a couple times a year. In fact, my mom would make a birthday cake for Keith Green <laughs> every year. Keith and Melody would come for Keith's birthday and my mom would make my grandmother's recipe for carrot cake for Keith Green. And Eric's like, what? And, um, you know, Keith is with the Lord. He actually died in a plane crash in the early 80s. Keith was only in his 20s and um, uh, in his late, late 20s. And, and, and he died. But his music and his life left such a massive impact on the world. 
In fact, when my dad died, um, just my dad died nine years ago. And uh, uh, one of the people when my dad was on his deathbed, he says, Oh, man, I can't wait to see Jesus. And I can't wait to see my mom. But man, I can't wait to see Keith, you know, anyway, so, uh, so I have this family, you know, connection with this guy. And Eric has no idea who he is. Eric wasn't raised a Christian. Eric wasn't raised, uh, you know, around Christian circles or Christian music or any of that stuff. So he, and he had no idea. I didn't share that with him because he wouldn't have known who Keith is. Anyway, he's like, have you ever heard of this guy, Keith Green? I'm like, shut up. No way. But there's this song called Your Love Broke Through. And um, the chorus of it says, it's like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed until your love broke through. I've been lost in a fantasy that blinded me until your love broke through. And Eric said that was that was exactly like yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'm I'm noticing a theme here. Love broke through wrecking ball. Is this just the wrecking ball? <laughs> <laughs> I came in like a wrecking ball no. <laughs> and turned you into a mirror ball. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Okay. Anyway, so that's kind of our story. And then so for the past 12 years, it's just been um, the Lord taking the that what seemed like a totally unredeemable situation and applying the remedy, the word of God, his blueprint over our marriage. And his blueprint is found in Ephesians chapter five, his blueprint for marriage. And unfortunately, um, uh, a, lo- a lot of churches, uh, people, men throughout history have taken Ephesians chapter five and gagged people with it by shoving it down people's throats and, and, uh, taking it in misogynist ways. And they didn't even, they didn't even speak on what it really is. And so now it's become this, this, uh, this piece of abuse that's happened. But really, Ephesians chapter five, you know, you can argue with it, you can hate it, you can do whatever you want with it. But I'm telling you, in our life, the Bible, the remedy, Ephesians chapter 5, if we are living in that biblical model for marriage, our marriage runs incredible. I mean, it is so incredibly fulfilling. It's so wonderful. It's like, I don't want to say it's a little piece of heaven on earth, but it kind of is. It's a safe net. It's a covering. It's all of the things that you dream of for a marriage to be. Um, and what everyone dreams and wants a marriage to be, but nobody wants to live the way that God told you to do to get the marriage that you need. And the fact of the matter is, is that you both have to be, for, for it to work, for the formula to work, get this, you both have to follow the formula. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, in Ephesians chapter 5, um, Eric, do you have a, a place that really sticks out to you? Well, I mean, yeah, you were talking about how Ephesians, people can mis- misread it, but it's usually because it's the men that stop at 522. And it's, it's wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But no one ever keeps reading. Yeah. And, and I mean, it goes into the, for the husband. You it's submit. The he- you better submit to your man. Right. You better submit. But there's rest. There's rest for us, guys. Now, listen, it says, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which is the Savior. After twenty three, uh, for the husband is a head, and the wife of uh, of a wife as Christ is the head of the church, and and I always think about going back to what is that? My big fat Greek wedding is that the wife is just the neck. 
But anyway, I digress. The husband is the head, but the wife is the neck, and she can turn the head any way she wants to. Yeah. But I digress. But it actually really goes into the 525, and this is for the husbands out there. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her. And it goes on from there. But I mean, really, once you are, you really know that and you take that to heart and you are her uh, covering, your provider, your... Uh, you are her world unto. Um, You're the representative of Christ, right? And so you got you have a lot of responsibilities. I have a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, the responsibility on the man actually is so much greater. And if you're a man out there and you're listening to this, and you are a Christian husband, and you are telling your wife to submit because that's what the Bible says, but you aren't representing Christ, your role is to represent the Lord. And if you are misrepresenting God, <laughs> watch out, bro. Watch out because you're going to get smashed. You don't misrepresent God. God will not be mocked, my friend. And if you are misrepresenting God, why would she submit to someone who is a liar? She doesn't have to submit to a liar. And so anyway, moving on from that, the man's role is actually way more heavy than the woman's because as a woman, when my husband is loving me the way that Christ loved the church, and he's then making decisions for our family, I know that his decisions are, A, based in the fact that he is seeking the Lord, and that his decisions towards me are based under complete and total love and protection. So it makes submitting to him as the authority when he makes a decision for our family, and I go, okay, because I know you're coming from a place of that you've sought the Lord. I know that you're coming from a place of humility and love. I know that you're coming from a place of protection, like a shepherd. I know you're coming from a place of, of biblical leadership. And also, by the way, it's a mutual respect. I mean, at the beginning of, of um, this portion of Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21, before it goes into talking about women submitting to their husbands, it says, Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. And so, if you're both living for Christ, you're going to submit one to another first. Then, you know, women, we're going to submit to our biblical husband. And so, anyway, Ephesians chapter 5 is like a legit blueprint of what to do in a marriage. You want a marriage to work? Marriage is hard. We are two imperfect people. Both of us have Samsonite-sized baggage that we're bringing into this. We're both tainted by sin you know, in our in our life and in our past previousness. We both have that, you know, frosted side, like we talked about in the, the podcast last week. We both, you know, have this and, and, and any married couple is bringing that to the table when you come together. So no matter how much you love each other, then the real work begins, you know, after that honeymoon, you know, and that's a really important piece of a marriage too. There's nothing wrong with, you know, honeymooning and you know, we're still honeymooning 21 years later, but, um, well then let me ask you a question. How do you serve one another when the honeymoon honeymoon's over? Man. When, when, when you're, when you are, when you're arguing, when, uh, uh, when things are going wrong, how do you serve one another? Yeah. How do you serve? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you're acting like the host or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. How do you serve? I mean, for me, I can only speak for me. And for me, I have to, have, it's a choice because I'll tell you that fleshly side, I'm a leader and um, I was gifted like that. I'm a speaker. 
Um, I have a, a big mouth and I'm rebellious and all of that stuff. And I have a frosted side, man. And, you know, it's hard for uh, that mature Christian side when your feathers have been ruffled. And so um, it's a choice. Are you saying, so you're saying love is a choice even through the hard times? Yeah, I would say that love isn't a choice because, you know, love, I feel like, well, maybe love is a choice, yes. But I feel like when you're in that those moments of feeling love for someone, it's really easy. I would say that um, the commitment is a choice. Mm. I would say that the um, submission is a choice. I would say that following the biblical blueprint for a marriage is a choice. And if you want to have a fulfilled marriage, I mean, there are people who are not Christians who are still married. Um, but uh, actually, it's very few and far between. They say that that the statistics are like 60% for divorce and even amongst Christians. But that's actually not true. Um, this the the the, st- the statisticians. <laughs> thank you. My mouth would not say that word. The statisticians actually they polled people in the United States, and you know a lot of people claim like, are what what religion are you? Well, I identify as Catholic or I identify as Christian, but you're not actually practicing any of it, and you don't really even know Jesus or anything like that. It's just hey, you know, my grandmother was Catholic, so therefore I'm going to say I'm Catholic, or you know, well, hey, you know, my parents were Christians. So I'm going to say I'm a Christian because, you know, that's just what people do. But you're not actually a surrendered disciple of Yeshua HaMashiach. You haven't received Jesus as your Messiah. You don't believe who he says he is and your life doesn't reflect that, right? So, but those people were also pulled in with Christians. And so when people said, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I'm a Christian, you know. Um, you know, as they're out at the strip club and drinking, you know, until they get drunk and all this, uh, you know, living their lives totally worldly. Um, those same people were pulled in with that. And so they're saying, oh, well, Christian marriages are no different than than non-Christian marriages. And that's not true, actually. Um, I think the real statistic for true Christian biblical marriages is like, it's like a less than 10% divorce rate amongst true Christian biblical marriage um, um, divorce rate. But I digress. There are people who are not Christians whose marriages are together. That's that's true. It's very few and far between, though, because for the most part, when you're living selfishly and you're both living selfishly, you're going to have a selfish marriage. <laughs> you know, you're you're not going to be living for each other. And, it, you know, it, it may it may be you may be together, but it may not be fulfilling in all those places the way that, you know, I feel like I mean, I feel like we have a very amazing marriage and i'm so grateful for it i'm so grateful for what the lord has done oh yeah i'm totally grateful i'm grateful beyond measure okay so anyway we're going to get into some questions people wrote in and sent me some questions and so i want to get to a few of those we won't get to a lot of them today because we're already kind of over time but um let's just you know give some real quick hits brandy asked me what is the best advice for newly married people And for me, I think that we've already answered that. I want you to dig into, if you are a newly married wife, first of all, uh, put away all of the, you know, Cinderella Prince Charming garbage. That's not real. Um, What's going to happen is that you're going to get hit with life circumstances. Things are not going to go the way that you have dreamed or thought that they would be. Things are always, they're going to be different. Things are going to be hard. Know that that's coming and that those things are meant to knit you guys closer together. 
You know, people say, oh, I want to be so close to my husband. I want to be knit together. But when you think of sewing or knitting, you think of a thread going up and then you think of a thread going down and then up and down and you're being poked by needles every time, poke, poke, poke and up and down and up and down. And over the years of the the knitting and sewing together, then you are knit together and it takes going through that. So just know that, but also you know, dig into Ephesians chapter five and know that your husband is the leader. Your husband is, you know, and I'm speaking to biblical wives and biblical husbands. Um, Husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. And then it makes it a whole lot easier to submit. If you're being, you know, if you're being an ass to her, it's going to be real. We're going to have a problem. Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) And, and, And using that reference on, on knitting, um, and that knitting, usually when you see like a quilt on that one side, one side's pretty, everyone else sees. Everyone sees the shiny niceness, but they don't see the knots, the craziness, the cut threads, the the probably some of the blood from the um, uh, blood, sweat and tears from the knitter, mm-hmm. you know, of the marriage. So um, I would probably piggyback on that as well for, for new marriages. Now, this is for even non-Christian. Get on the same page. Don't be unequally yoked. Could you do it? Sure. Um, we did it. Was it the right way to do it? Was it the blueprint? No. And it's just going to be hard. Marriage is already hard, hard enough for Christians. It's definitely going to be hard with them when you're not on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. And serve, and going back to Ephesians, serve one another. Yeah. yeah. And serve the God that is the creator of all. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So, Eric, this question is actually for you. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm scrolling through a lot of these different ones because we've pretty much answered them. Like, um, uh, you know, how did you guys meet? Oh, I guess we didn't talk about that. But, you know, it, like someone says, if you don't mind me asking, why did you almost divorce? Or someone says, you almost divorced. I need to hear more about this, what happened. So we've kind of already, you know, touched a little bit on that. And then with so many divorces, what has sustained your marriage? And we've talked about that already, too. And that's um, the, the choice, the show up and, you know, the show up every day and choose, choose to you know, choose, yeah, but choose your destructor. You know, I'm but, kidding. <laughs> but we're, we're both kind of hard headed that way. So I think that kind of plays in our, in our favor. The Lord's yeah. like, well, you guys are got it. You guys got a road ahead of you. So I'm going to put some hard heads in you. So it's kind of the, <laughs> one of those true. things like it's going to work. And, yeah. but you know, it's not us. It's yeah. not you. It's and not Eric me. and I have been through a lot in our marriage. We have not had an easy road to hoe. That has not been us. We have not only did we come to this, you know, total precipice in our marriage that completely destroyed it. And we were dealing with all of that. We've dealt with um, the death of dear friends. We've dealt with the death of parents. And ultimately, the death. Uh, we've dealt with injuries. We, um, a month after we got married, we ended up moving up to Portland, Oregon, because they found a, a tumor in Eric that needed emergency surgery. And you know, told us that Eric was going to die, um, uh, that it was, you know, surely cancer and that Eric was going to die. Miraculously, it turned out not to be cancer. But we went through an entire year of, you know, different internal reconstructive surgeries that led us to having to do fertility treatments um, that then turned into, you know, horrible nightmares. And I almost lost my life during that. And then uh, we started down the road of of children and getting pregnant and then having our babies die one after the other after the other. Um, we, Eric and I have lost 18 children. And um, through all of that, I mean, you know, we've been through so much stuff that would have destroyed most people. But the Lord, like Eric said, <laughs> you know, like you guys are going to have some rough stuff. So I'm going to give you guys, you know, some 
stick to itiveness that maybe others aren't going to need for the road ahead. But anyway, so, you know, what has kept us together is, um, well, the Lord. <laughs> I mean, really, it's not us, it's the Lord. And it's us choosing to surrender to the Lord and then submitting to each other. That that really is is it. But anyway, um, okay, Eric, this one is for you. And this is from um, a guy named Ken. What advice would you give to a single brother in this day and age? <laughs> a single guy? I don't know. I, I haven't been single for, what is that now, 20-something years? Mm-hmm, 21. Yeah. Um, man, I, I first of all, I, I would not want to be in your shoes. Um, today with the... The Me Too movements, the he said, she said, the dating apps, the who knows what. Uh, I, I I don't envy you in any way, shape, or form. However, so if I had to give you some uh, some advice for single people, a single man, a single man, mm-hmm. um, get yourself right with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, you're, everyone's going to say, well, I want the right woman. I, I've met people that literally have gone to our churches in the past going, hey, I'm here, I'm a new person. I'm looking to see, get myself a, you know, a Christian wife. And I'm like, well, okay, well that's, that's all good and done. But, and, and then the next two weeks, they're gone. They're not even there. And I'm like, huh, interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Are they, so basically, get yourself right with the Lord. Because even if you do find that the one, mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to find the one because the Lord's working on her her life as well. So, uh, and that has nothing to do with your bearing. Yeah, you can pray for her and she can pray for you, but get yourself right with the Lord. Yeah, and everything else will fall into place. Same, I would say that for for women too. Is you know if you're out there and 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 boy, I've known a lot of women, and some of them I just want to grab them around the neck and shake them. But anyway, wake up. What are you doing? You know, they're like, oh, man, you know, I wish I could have a husband like Eric or, oh, man, I just, you know, I wish that I could, you know, have a husband at all. And, you know, nobody's out out there, you know, snagging me up or whatever. And I'm like, yo, you're with a different guy every day. You're like, what are you doing? Well, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe you do. The fruit in your life says you don't, because if you knew Jesus for who he really was, you wouldn't be doing the things that hurt his heart. I mean. The woman at the well lived like that, and and she didn't know Jesus. But once she met Jesus, and Jesus said, dude, don't do this stuff anymore. Go your way and sin no more. And she was forever radically changed. It's actually pretty neat. If you've watched the series The Chosen, um, they, they uh, have the woman at the well. Um, they portray her life, and it's actually miraculous to see uh, the transformation after she meets Jesus and before. But if you've truly met Jesus and you know who He is, you know who He is, and you believe who He says He is, then what are you doing living your life in a way that doesn't please Him or does, uh, that hurts His heart? I mean, what are you doing? Anyway, wrap it up, man. You know, repent turn away from that. Give your life totally, wholly, and solely to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let Him use you. And if it's God's will for you to be uh, uh, have a husband, He's going to bring that person to you. And the same is true for a man, you know? You know, uh, don't be out there you know, hoeing it up and, uh, you know, uh, you know, doing all this stuff on a, you know, Saturday night and then heading to church and pretending that you are um, you know, looking for your, your, you know, you know, where is that Mrs. Right? You know, it's like, 
um, yikes, man. Because like your friends that were looking, maybe they're bounce out of church two weeks. Well, my friends that were there too, they hooked up with your friend (laughs) and both of them are hurt, you know? And it's like, okay, do this right. But then again, we didn't do it right. And we got married and we, you know, we did get married and, um, and it was not, it was not good. It was not, you know, it was not the way that God had it to be. And so, um, I really would encourage you to get, yeah, to get your life right with Christ too. Unless we were predestined to do that. Yeah. I mean, that could be, and that's a, that's a whole other podcast (laughs) and that's going to get real long if we get into predestination. Yeah. You, you know, um, I don't believe that anything is a mistake. Um, I, well, I think that there are things that are mistakes, but I think that God takes those mistakes in our life and turns them for good. I don't think it. I know what the Bible says so, but Mir- mirror ball, yeah. Romans eight twenty eight. That's right, mirror ball, Romans eight twenty eight. <laughs> I came in like a mirror ball. Okay, you guys. Well, anyway, so that is our Valentine's episode. Um, isn't my husband cool? I just love him so much, and every day I love him more than the day before. And I am so grateful that God answered that prayer of that desperate wife for her husband to be saved. And I'm just grateful, Eric. Oh, oh, you're gonna make me cry now. I am very grateful. And here's the thing. I love you so much. And I will take you to any breakfast anywhere that you want to go to. Oh, that is so nice. And if you guys don't know, I love going to breakfast. Breakfast is my thing. I would much rather eat a big breakfast, eat, you know, hardly anything for lunch, and then I don't eat, I won't won't even eat dinner. (laughs) And so I like to like eat like a queen for breakfast and a princess for lunch, and then uh, a maid for dinner is what they say. Anyway, Eric is the other way. He would rather eat nothing for breakfast, (laughs) eat like a prince for lunch, and then eat a king's dinner. But, um, but we have to do that now at like 4.30 or 5 because he's old and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm just old. Okay, <laughs> and you know when you. It's a good thing you're only 29. <laughs> when you get into your like 30s and uh, now 40s, um, man, <laughs> eating a big dinner just gives you heartburn. It ain't fun. But anyway, thank you, Eric. That's really um, loving me the way that Christ would love the church. Take your wife to breakfast, <laughs> even if you don't like breakfast. All right. Well, you guys, I love you. I love you guys too. We love you, and uh, God loves you. Um, He loved you first, and um, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of God's love, and you are worthy of the kind of love that God would have for you. Settle for nothing less. We'll see you next week. I love you guys. Peace. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. New shows coming at you each week. If you have a question or a comment, send them to asksaragrace at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.